All right, this one's going to be special. I'm in an undisclosed location somewhere in Los Angeles with a friend I met a few days ago that's had an interesting past in another country. He's had a bit of a dangerous background, <laughs> but he's, he's served his time and he's... In the jungle. <laughs> he's, he's dressed up as a monkey costume. He's dressed up as a monkey to, dis- um, to cover his identity. And he's open to talking about his previous history, being a rascal... You grew up you grew up and you just hustled, right? Yeah. So essentially um I was part of the criminal underworld in the country and location I was in and it was something that I just completely fell into. It wasn't something that I woke up and I aspired to. It's not like I went to school and then I was like, Hey, I'm gonna actually join the underworld you know like as in it was just something that was completely by accident and it was like this series of events that led me to where i am today and it's been the most incredible but yet the most horrific experience ever and i was just like you know when we when you pitched this to me a couple of days ago it was about like this is an opportunity for me to kind of actually talk about it and because no one ever talks about it everyone talks about the glamorous aspects of it but there's this darker side to it that is actually really really unforgiving i can't even imagine it uh, it's it's scary to me because there's no real there's no union man like as in it's not like as in you join this force and then there's like ping pong tables and there's a hr manager that welcomes you in with an induction pack and tells you that there's you know, beers on Thursdays with your other crew members. There's another, it's just like, it's this completely different world. It, it's a world that doesn't exist, but yet exists so heavily in everyday society that we live in anywhere around the world. There's this dark underbelly that everyone that lives in that society comes across without knowing that mm. they're part of it. And it's like this weird, it's true entrepreneurship. Everyone that's in it is hustling really, really hard. And it's the ones that actually portray that they are part of the world. They're the ones that aren't usually part of the world. The ones that are flying really, really close to the sun that portray that image. Mm. They're the ones that aren't those people. If you know what I mean? Like, right. It's like they, you know, they just want to be. I suppose it's like the powers in the world that uh, have got a lot of influence don't want anyone to know that they've got a lot of influence. That's correct. It's like they live a double life. My partner at the time didn't even know that I was in it. Mm. To this day, to my current partner, she doesn't even know one-tenth of what was happening. And I feel like as in that is exactly what you, you hit the nail on the head, Jez. The powers where people not knowing that they're part of this world. And why is that? Well... Because you, it's it's so high risk that you don't want your cover bone? Yeah, I think that's it. But also, like, as in what drawn me to it in the first was the money. Mm. It was just hand over fist money, so much money. Mm. Then when you kind of get to that level, then it's about creating this identity that no one even knows exists. If that makes any sense, it's about you've got all this like as in it's about the um how do i explain it? it's about the adrenaline mm. you're literally walking down the street with so much stuff in your 
essentially backpack and no one even knows what's going on. That was what kept me in that world so can years you, later. Can you tell us how you got into it? So it's like, um, as we joked, there's no, it's like there's a union, but it's not like there's a job like application form where you kind of like, you know, fill out a form and then you go for a job interview process. You just fall into it with the people that you hang out with. And then you slowly start meeting all these people that, hmm, how do I, let me just think about that process actually without, um, to keep it anonymous. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just have a think actually. Mm-mm-mm. Um, maybe I'll speak about from my perspective and then maybe if it gets a bit too specific, I will kind of tone it back a bit if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So I got into it because at that point in time in my life, I was, um, I was hanging out with a family that were heavily, heavily, heavily involved in criminal activity. However, at that point in time, I didn't know that. They were very much regular people. You, you, on this surface, they looked like normal people that had regular jobs, really nice houses and regular cars. But there was this, I got introduced to this world through a friend. And this friend took me to meet some people and end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone who can create an opportunity out of nothing. And when I met these people, it was like I met my tribe. I met these people that were just purely hustling to survive. And these, it was like, as in, Mm. I met my family. It was really bizarre. Like, as in, we just clicked, everyone clicked. And that's when they start testing you and they test you with certain tests just to make sure that you're, you're solid and not just cause you're solid, that you're also in it for the right reasons. And what are the right reasons? Well, the right reasons are the fact that you don't want to fly too close to the sun. When I say fly too close to the sun, meaning that you're not just there for the lifestyle, not there for the bad boy image. You're there to either make a lot of money or you're there to um, protect each other, if that makes any sense. Mm. So it's like any organization, everyone has roles and responsibilities. And my role back then was to connect everyone. So I had access to everyone that were bringing in the drugs to the people that were getting rid of the drugs. And so um, I, th- I think maybe there's, how do I say, it? a lot of um, organizations out there, they specialize in certain things like different companies in the real world. The companies that our company specialized in commercial drug trafficking. So- <laughs> Sorry, so there's just something so weird about me. I'm realized I'm looking you in the eyes, but they're monkey plastic eyes. They're not actually real eyes. And I just caught myself. And I was like, what? Why am I even bothering looking you in the eyes? Exactly. Because they're not real eyes. It's not. 
Oh man, this is so bizarre for me as well. Yeah, is it? Yeah, because yeah. you don't talk about it often. I don't talk this, about this it. This is like over a decade ago. This was over a decade ago, yeah. Mm, mm. And so, just like going back into that memory, um, but also into that mindset as well. Like, as in, I'm not making myself clear at the moment because of the fact that I feel quite uncomfortable a little bit because I'm. How much I'm, to disclose? Yeah, how much to disclose. It was a very dangerous period of my life. And. Like, is it? I think it starts from the start. I never was, a, I'm even to this day, I'm not a dangerous guy. Mm. Um, but as I was saying, every company and organization has roles and responsibilities. And my role back then was to essentially, if you can't compare it to a company right now, I was a sales director, right? I was the guy <laughs> that was literally managing the sales team. Mm. Um, there was people out there that were the security guards, and they're the ones that made sure that I was looked after, mm. nothing happened to me. Then there was also the people that were the CEO, the managing director, you know, like as in, and so it's like any good business, they, everyone knows their place in the organization. Mm. And so purely my role back then was to make sure that the product that I was selling, which was cocaine, mm. was moved every single, I had to meet my targets, I had to meet my KPIs. Um, it sounds really bizarre, but... I feel that I was working in a company mm. with minus the ping pong table and the HR manager. Mm. I was working in a company that had structure. And the reason why the police would never be able to crack the underworld is because of the fact that you can never, you never be able to tell who that person is. He looks like a dad down the street or he looks like an IT nerd. Right. But the people that attract the people that get into that world are the ones that we're all attracted to this world for so many different reasons. But generally, at its root, it's kind of entrepreneurship. You think just making something out of nothing and it's, making a lot of money. Yeah, and the it is. and the and the, the the feeling of having one another's backs. It is. It's like it's in a really weird world. It's a boys. It's like a gentleman's club where we. We, we feel a belonging and we feel mm. like this world, we love, the common thread is that we love sticking it to the man. Mm. We love the fact that like, as in, we can always find a way to stick it to the man. Mm. The first, the, the obvious appeal is the money. People get attracted to this world because of the, the amounts of money that you can make is just insane. Mm. And so quickly as well. And then what happened, what happens to that is that once you start dealing with such amounts of money, the money becomes a secondary reason. This first reason, then it becomes a, an adrenaline rush, realizing that you can get rid of an, a kilogram of cocaine within six hours. Mm. And then there's $250,000 at the end of that deal. And you're like, holy crap, did that really happen? It's wild. It's wild. It's this wild, wild world. And... It's this bizarre world of like... And so it becomes a bit of a vortex, does it? Like in terms of like you take one step at a time and you're kind of doing it because, you know, you grew up with not much money and you realise that you could get a lot of money this way. Yeah, I think for me, like as in my driver was money and to this day it is still money because of my background. It was quite poor. We came from a very, very poor family and the it, money to me represented luxury items it re represented a different world 
It represented acceptance. It represented options. And for me, that was everything. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, it's about creating better options for my family. But it's how I'm going to do it now is what is different to what I am now to the man I was before. Mm. And um, it's, yeah, it's like this, um, I feel like it's, and it's a bit bizarre because society really does glamorize the underworld. We want to be part of it, but then when everything goes wrong, that's when they shun us and then I'm, the reason why I'm in a monkey suit right now is because I think I'm still carrying a lot of shame and guilt. I can't just like face mm. the judgment. Mm. And, 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 and this is in spite of the fact that you've you know, faced the court of law and you've, you, you're, you're clean as you can be. Yeah. But it's still that you're carrying that, that weight of the shame and the guilt. That's correct. And that's when we spoke three days ago. I was like, oh, I'm interested in doing this because of the fact that this is a cleansing. Mm-hmm. There's a platform that you've provided me now where I can actually cleanse myself. Yes, I am in a monkey suit, but <laughs> in a weird way, this is a cleansing process because I'm so scared of actually talking about this in public because of the fact that that I actually might get in trouble, not by the authorities because I have paid my dues, but with the people that I used to work with. Mm-hmm this is completely against everything that we believe in, which is privacy and secrecy. Right. And... Because it's crucial. Because it's, it's crucial for their survival. That's correct. And um, in a weird way, this is like, you know, The Sopranos did a really, really incredible series about a mob boss seeing a psychologist, which is completely unheard of. But they built a whole series around that. And... Yes, we were in that world, but we also have issues in the real world, which are mental health issues. And like, as in, it's not like as in, remember, oh, back then, 10 years ago, I would be able to call my mates and go, hey, man, I'm actually really, really stressed out. If I've got anxiety, I can't go to work today because someone might die today. You know, it's not like as in, I've never had that luxury. Mm. And um, it's full on. It's a full on world. And it was like pretty full on for. Um, People to even, I think people were scared of it, but they also attracted to it. Yeah, because I suppose that's because of the adrenaline rush, you reckon? And the. Oh, I think maybe like society. Like, as in, look at how many crime films there are that are mm. award winning crime films. Mm. Like, you know, look at The Departed, Blow. Mm. We all. Hollywood loves this. Mm. Hollywood loves it, but then when things go wrong, they don't want anything to be. They don't want anything to be. They don't want to be seen with it. They don't want to be associated with it, but. Well, I suppose it's because of the harm that it can do, or that, like you're not paying your taxes. You, it's um, there's a, you you give them a product that is illegal by standard of the government because of da di da di da. But I suppose they're that's the a good thing. point. They're, good they're point. the they're the reasons, right? However, if there was no demand for these products, there would be no underworld. Mm. So society actually creates these organisations. Yes. So society actually creates the fact that they want us to do this. We're just opportunistic entrepreneurs who are there to service the demand. And that's the issue. Mm. The fact that society want us, they want, they need us. 
but then when things go wrong, they just kick us to the curb and then they slap a criminal record on you and then you just can't do any, you can't actually go back into society. Mm. And that's what I've been dealing with the last 10 years is you just can't get back into society. Even though I've paid, I've done everything possible, I'm still going to be that guy that's on the outer circle now. Mm. And so, what can you talk us a bit through your inner reality and some of those moments when you were contending with, you know, fearing for your life, um, doing but doing a job that you needed to get done, and like, who are you scared of the most? Are you scared of the people you work with, or the people that are your competitor, or the authorities? Yeah, I think like as in the people that were the scariest back then were never the other underworld figures, surprisingly, which is really, really bizarre. The people that were the scariest were the corrupt police officers. Really? So, without going into much detail, but when... Um, okay, it's not uncommon for a drug dealer to get arrested, and then when they go to court, half the drugs that they got arrested with are gone, and the cash that they got arrested with were taken by the police. So they were the dangerous ones. They're the ones that acted like they had the best interests of the society in in hand, but they were robbing drug dealers left, right, and center, if that makes any sense. Right, So, and I suppose they justify it because they think that the people that they're robbing are baddies. That's correct. And they're the ones that were like, you were really, really scared of because they're the ones that, they had authority, they had all the power, but they were doing what we were doing. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. It's like it's kind of like a school principal that was um, you have you, you trust this person, but then what happens is that they completely break your trust because this school principal's creating all these um all taking all these opportunities that a school principal shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And that, so, that's not an uncommon theory that you've I've heard a lot about um, the PD police department or just another gang. I mean, obviously there's people in it doing good things as well, but there are. But there's an aspect of not so much. Yeah, and I feel like it's in maybe my line of work, which was a, essentially a sales director role mm. in the um, cocaine underworld. <laughs> I can't. Uh, so I'm, I'm just laughing because I just realised I'm in a monkey suit, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really, really. Um, but it's yeah, getting it's, hot in there. It's getting hot, yeah. but um, I think the you know. I was in a very, very privileged position where I wasn't the enforcer. I was always the guy that everyone wanted to hang out with because of the fact that I was the sales guy. Like if you look at a sales guy in a um, in a regular company, he's the guy that's always the fun guy, the guy that always has all the drugs because he's the one that needs to get out there, right, and, mm. you know, sell the product. So I was in a very, very lucky position where I was never really – I never had to kind of get my hands dirty, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I never had to kind of, I was always the guy that if I had an issue, I would be able to tell my, the person in the your people, team, the people in my team that this guy was giving me trouble. And then I was, yeah, I was away. I was, you're the rep. I was the rep and I was away from a lot of the dirty issues that people owed me money. I just tell my people and then they go sort it out for me. Mm. So I was like a golden goose that was laying a golden egg. And we had a really, it was a great, it was a great five to 10 years, five to six years of my life Mm. where I realized that it was, this is incredible. This is everything that 
I always wanted as a kid mm. without, but I didn't realize that what I was doing was completely against the law and breaking every single, breaking every single law under the sun without even realizing, realizing it. But when you're in that world, you start thinking that it's normal. So what do you mean you didn't realize that? Well, I think at that point in time, I was quite young. So I was like 23 to 25 where I hadn't developed in my life yet what really was right or what was wrong. And then you become a product of your environment. Everyone around me was doing everything that I thought was normal. But then when you take a step back, you realize, holy shit, this is highly illegal. Mm. Um, the illegal point, like as in, I think there was a penny dropping moment when I realized that what I was doing was illegal was when, oh, actually, I can't say that. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> I just realized, yeah. but yeah, I think it's like, there, there was a moment, there was a moment and like, I feel like it's in everything gets normalized when you kind of hang out with these people that they, if they're doing it, then it must be okay, right? Mm. If you kind of hang out with other people that are. Well, it becomes your culture. I guess it's like, there's a lot of absurd things that happen in Western culture, mainstream culture that are ridiculous, like idolizing these celebrities that have no real intelligence. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not like looking up to the best aspects of one another, which is like wisdom and, 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 and beautiful aspects that we're looking up to just hyper superficiality. And that's, that's an absurdity just as much as the th absurdities that you would come across, but they become normalized, right? Well, that's correct. Everything becomes normalized because of the fact that if all your mates are doing it, then it should be normal. But now that I'm older and wiser, I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough to actually kind of stand up for what I believed in because I was quite young and naive. Mm. Um, and that was like as in the turning point actually when I got arrested yeah. and when I was facing up to nearly 10 years in jail. Whoa. What did that feel like? That was the most – it was the weirdest thing was like when I got arrested that night was the night I slept well – for the first time in probably five years. Really? It was bizarre. It was like the best sleep I've ever had in my life. What? It was incredible. Like as in, because I think it was like the game was up. Like as in, I, I stopped playing this cat mouse game with myself and it was just the most- So it's it high stress then? It was highly stress, but that was because I, so I got into this world and I had a set of rules that I didn't follow towards the end, if that makes any sense. So. I was, so I was the type of guy that didn't want to kind of live that lifestyle. A lot of people at that point in time didn't even know what I was doing. Mm. It was only towards the end because I got high in my own supply. And then once you start actually developing a drug habit, that's when you actually start not thinking straight. And that's mm. when you start, you know, throwing out your values and right. beliefs. And then because you're so high. Mm. And so breaking one of the rules was actually using the product that you... That's correct. Yeah. And dealing with the, um, dealing with people that I didn't know. So the, one of the cardinal rules in our company was that you always dealt with people that you know, because the reason why you do that, it's like, it's like business in the real world. You only do business with people you really know, right? Mm. Because if you, you don't, if you do business with people you don't know... You don't know who they are. Then you don't know who they are. <laughs> and I fucked up that rule, which was... I ended up doing business with people I didn't know and that's what was my downfall and that's right. what created 
led me to the road of actually getting arrested. Oh, wow. And that's when it actually got really heavy from there because the person that I was selling to had already been arrested six months down the track and they made a deal with the police to bring me down. Oh, wow. Fucking hell. And that's when it was like, holy shit. And that's when I got arrested and everything just came crumbling down. And that's when I, the penny dropped when I realized that who I was hanging out with were really, really bad people. But because they lived in a suburban house, they wore normal clothes and they weren't the stereotypical gangsters. That's when I was like, holy shit, these people are really, really bad. <laughs> they sold the perception they were normal, but because they were flying under the radar. And you, you say really, really bad because they, you know, they're hurting people or, or yeah, because... Yeah, so they would... It was only after I realised that when I got out of it, I realised how bad these people were mm. because of the fact that they, they were ruthless. Mm. So they they sold the perception that they were normal, regular people, but behind closed doors, you know, they hurt people. Mm. They destroyed lives. They also used people. Mm. I was one of them. I was like this opportunistic young kid who had access to mm. hundreds and hundreds of people that wanted their product. End of the day, they didn't care about me. They cared about what I could get them. And, you know, I was... All right, so it's business. It's business. Which, which is a lot of business, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like it's in what I could get them, which was access to 1,200 people per week that needed their product. Mm. Mm. Um, it was only later when I realized that I, after I got arrested, after finding out more and more about them, that's when I realized that yeah, I was in a really, really dangerous company. Mm. And a lot of them are still either, a lot of them are dead now or in jail now. Right. And what did, what, what, is it, what did that process of disintegrating from that culture and that company and that world feel like? Was there years of checking your back? Well... Without going into specifics, um, the reason why I could probably walk down the street now without being harassed is because when I got arrested, the police and everyone around me wanted me to give up the company I was hanging out with. Right. But because I took... But I, but I realized that if I did that, then everyone around me at that point in time would suffer. My family would suffer. My partner at the time would suffer. When I say suffer, they would probably get tortured and harassed, um, hurt quite physically just to get to me. Um, and I realized that I was playing with fire. So why should my family pay that price? I was the one that got burnt. So the easy way out was to rat everyone out and literally give up all the names of the criminal underworld. But I chose to take the, the risk of potentially going to jail and taking that, that information to the grave mm. means that I can walk around like as in without actually having to look over my shoulders because wow. 
it's and the guy that I sold to that was already under arrest and he was working for the police to this day I don't even know where he is yeah so he's probably dead yeah this is crazy like he's probably been killed by the people that I was hanging out with I don't even know right. where he is anymore because he ride he ratted so and, yeah. Tell me about that mental... Pro- I mean, obviously, you did it for your family and your friends and your loved well, ones. I think I did it for me. I took responsibility for my own actions. Mm. No one forced me into this world. Right. And I think that's life, right? You've got to take responsibility for your own actions. People that blame people, people that don't actually own what they're doing. If I didn't own that situation, my world would be completely different right now. Yeah, I would, wouldn't... Um, I would be living my life looking over my shoulders, as you were saying, mm. living my life thinking that someone was going to be after my family. Mm. And so, it's a fucking big pill to swallow, though, to go. I'm going. I'm not going to say anything. Mm. And every, I was getting pressured by everyone. What by p- police mostly? Police, my lawyers, my family. They didn't understand the consequences. Right. Um, and I was like, guys, you don't realize who these people are. These people are going to kill you. And. That's bonkers. So, and then, so what was the, th- and it meant that you would face more time in, in well, prison. Well, it meant that, like, as in, I had the risk when I was going to jail, I'm caught, that I was going to go to jail for a very, very long time, mm. or I was going to get off um, with without going, or I was just not going to go to jail. Why? Because you'll get it. Because on paper, in society, I'm actually a really good person. Mm. And I come from a good family. Um, and I contribute to society. I pay my taxes on time. Yeah. So on paper, I was like this guy that was um, actually a good person. Oh, because you had clean organization business as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so it was just all my extracurricular activities. Right. You know, some people play golf. I was in the underworld. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, fuck it, right? Who cares? You only live once. And the thing is, like, that's why I felt like I, when at the start, I was like, I met my tribe of people. Mm. These people that were just, were just doing anything to hustle. And mm. it's like, you know, usually what people don't realize is that fact that criminals are the most entrepreneurial people in the world. They're fucking smart. Mm. They're not dumbasses. The ones actually who act dumb and act like, act like they're gangsters. They're the ones who are stupid. Mm. The ones who, it's just like in the real world. You look at the ones that actually, the wealthiest people are the ones who are out there that actually you don't even know they're wealthy. Mm. The ones who are driving the craziest cars are the ones who are usually broke, you know? So, and, but, but when they cross the line, it's, it's when they cross lines, I suppose, that it becomes... But I suppose there's a lot, I mean, let's, let's be frank, there's a lot of people in powerful organisations that the government do know about that aren't paying their taxes, like That's Apple correct. and all these kind of big organisations. Yeah. They're just smart. And so I think that's the, um, the thing is I was just in the wrong organisation with the wrong products. The products I was selling were illegal. The organisation I was hanging out, hanging out with were illegal. And if I put myself in a regular company, I would have been employee of the year. You know, like as in I would have gotten like all these things, like the Mm. gold watch, man. Mm. I would have got all these weird, crazy fucking corporate shit. Mm. But like as in what I was doing was highly illegal. Mm. And, you know, 
Mm-hmm. That's that's the crazy part. Like, isn't there's a part in Blow when he goes, um, he was trying to smuggle all these drugs into from Mexico into um, America, and he the lines he was saying the lines are imaginary and the plants are just plants. But the judge was right. The plants he was selling were highly illegal, and the cr- lines he crossed were borderlines that were real. You know, and mm-hmm. at that point in time, when you can't like doing that much blow, you don't realize what you're doing is illegal as well because mm. you're you're just high all the time. So can you take us back again, go a little bit deeper on how you got into it, like what choices you made? Was it something that, what was the physical specifics? Mm. Not without, we're keeping it generic, but you know what I mean? So this is why I think a lot of people won't have empathy for my story is because I actively went looking for these opportunities. Right. I was at a certain age where... I knew my childhood friend, essentially, I knew was in this underworld. And when I say the underworld, it was an all, it was a highly, highly organized criminal organization. Mm. And I knew exactly what I was doing at this young age. And this is why I feel like as in, I have a lot of guilt and shame attached to this story still, because I actively went and seeked this relationship mm. and I went and pitched to this people mm. the opportunity that I had, which was I saw an opportunity where I could get rid of a kilogram of cocaine quite quickly. Mm. And at that point in time, I was hanging out with some people of my, some friends of mine that were doing it on the side, you know, like a, mm. they were, it was either that or get a job at Subway. Mm. And I didn't want to work at fucking Subway. So I was like, well, you know, this was classic. My style It was going from zero to 100 quickly. I was like, I didn't want to just nickel and dime. Mm. I didn't want to just make a hundred bucks. And you wanted to make a quarter of a million dollars. I wanted to make a fucking quarter of a million dollars quickly. So I pitched to this team of people. When I say team of people, they were the criminal underworld. I got into it because of my childhood friend. He wasn't part of it. He's a sweet dude. And I met one of the figures, pitched him using my sales skills and my natural sales gift. Yeah. I pitched him the idea. They took it. They, I did it. Not knowing this is where it's so stupid. If it didn't work, the flip side is that I actually get killed. So I didn't realize how stupid that actually was. Mm-hmm. So I took a kilogram of cocaine from a highly, highly professional criminal and dangerous crime syndicate, essentially. Mm-hmm. And pure luck. I would say, and grinding and hustle as well. I got rid of it within a, a week. Hmm. And that's when the whole organization and world just opened up. That's was, that was my mark that I made. And then I became the guy that got rid of it so quickly. And that's when I became the guy that you didn't fuck with. Because... Because you had a great skill set. I had a fucking great skill set. I had it... It was just in the wrong place. Mm. And I think I touched on it before. If I was in a company like Apple, mm. I would have been an employee of the fucking year, man. Mm. But I was in the fucking criminal underworld. That mm. was it, you know. Mm. Like, as in, 
And, and you're saying before as well, I think, which I think is a really good point, is the the in any country that legalizes a lot of drugs, things go really, really well for everyone. Well, yeah, I feel like as in it's like what? Portugal, I think, right? Did it, did it, and had yeah. fantastic ramifications for for abuse, for like more tax pay, tax money on the drugs, and because mm. everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. This is the thing. You legalize something, you get rid of the underbelly. You get rid of the crime figures. You get rid of people like me. You know, because the government's controlling it. They're policing it. They're making the product better. They're making money off it. The money goes back into society. This is the thing. Society wants our products. The reason why, we create, why we're there is because society wants it. There's an opportunity for us to make money, and a lot of money. So if you actually legalize it, we as an organization have to go find other opportunities. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, like, it's just basic business. Mm. Like as in if you make something illegal, it makes it more attractive for the people that I used to work with to find an opportunity. Mm. There's supply, there's demand. The demand for this product is so high. Mm. Yeah. They don't care. And, and so like, because it's been quite some time now, like, mm. what, what do you, how do you adjust to a modern world or, you know, like a, a world outside of criminal activity with your skill set? Well, I, I personally, I might be biased, but I feel like my skill set is quite transferable. Mm. A lot of people beg to differ, but I feel like my skill set is very transferable. Everything that I used in that world. I would use now. Like you got to pitch to people, you got to sell to people, you got to find distribution channels. You got to. It's basic business one hundred and one. You got to make sure that you're doing business with the right people. Mm. You don't. You got to turn up on time. Um, I feel like as in the reason why it's hard for me to integrate back into society is because of the fact that society has a black and white view on this. They don't have a lot of empathy for drug dealers but they have a lot of empathy for drug users. So people out there that actually use this story to try and better themselves, like, you know, they used to be a drug addict and now they've actually made a comeback. A lot, society has a lot of empathy for them, but people that actually used to be drug dealers and they're trying to make a comeback into society, people don't cast us as this, in the same realm as them. Does that make any sense? Yes. It's like, they don't have empathy for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what's your feeling about that? Why that's the case? And and well, I feel like it's kind of bullshit because I, you know, I fucked up, and it was a really horrible thing that I, what I did, but I paid the price, you know, and I I've done it. I look at myself in the mirror every single day, going, "Holy shit, what I've done was fucked up," and I've got to live with that. But I think that it just. If I wasn't strong, if I didn't have a great support network, I would be back into that world because of the fact that I can't get back into the normal society. People don't want me. It's like I've been touched with the plague. People don't want to know anything about that past life. And I go through life pretending to be someone else, mm. pretending to forget about it and pretending to, that part of my life never existed. Mm. Rather than just saying, which is what some rappers do, is like I used to sell drugs and now I'm writing about music about it. <laughs> kind of, yeah, exactly. Th- it's somewhat of a transferable. That's correct. I think that's thing. the only. So maybe I got to learn how to rap. You know, like <laughs> I think maybe this is my first 
step into, um, <laughs> you know, redemption or something yeah. like learning how to rap or become a basketball player. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think those they people like those stories, you know. But if it's back into regular society, people don't want that. So maybe I should become a rapper. <laughs> No. Well, I, I can identify that I can see the skill set is transferable because, like you said, it's a sales director, connector, and yeah. and it's that that's needed in business. And I think the fact that you've like you've paid your dues, learnt from your time, and you're clearly a fucking beautiful, lovable guy, in my opinion. Um, it's it's it should it should be an acceptable. from a thing. human, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> standing as a monkey receive it well <laughs> but yeah like as in I get that man like as in like I get that people you know don't want to forgive me and don't want to forgive what I've done but we're all humans man well I'm in, I'm in a monkey suit right now <laughs> but we all make mistakes you know and the mistake I made was a, a large one mm. and I go to bed every night thinking about that mistake I haven't forgiven myself even though it's been over 10 years mm. and society don't doesn't make sure you don't forget about it because i've got travel restrictions yeah. i can't do much i can't even get a job mm. and it's kind of i can't even drive an uber yeah wow it's so interesting yeah it's like they just don't it's like so you want the fruit of our labor you want the drugs we give it to you and then when we get caught we get punished. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm. It's it's such a strange thing, isn't it? It's hard for me to get my head around fully the society set up of it. Because I know in America they're even harsher on these kind of limitations of what you're you're lucky, what you're capable of doing. Well, we're in America now, so. Well, there you go. And Americans, you know, it's a very black and white world. Mm. I think it's across the world. People just don't. They don't have empathy for drug dealers, mm. but they want the drugs. Mm. It's and it's like you're just doing. It's kind of the individual's accountability. If if I was to take cocaine, it's my responsibility to take a risk purchasing it and take a risk taking it. And and I've got you know I've got I'm allowed to do what I want with this body mm. to a certain extent. I mean to its complete extent, right? <laughs> Actually. <laughs> I can do whatever I want with my body. It's my body, mm. as long as I'm not hurting anyone. And so I think that that's that's a, a kind of a feel like a f- well, fair yeah. line to take. Well, I think it's like it's in, like for example, they try to ban alcohol. You know about the prohibition, right? Right. Back in the twenties or thirties yeah. or something, but they couldn't stop it because the power of the people they wanted to drink, mm. and the people that were making a lot of money back then, the bootleggers. During that time, they were kings. Mm. But then when um, they got caught, they became scum of the earth. Right. So it's kind of like this bizarre thing. It's just like society want... They, they, the quickest way to kind of fix this issue is actually by legalizing drugs. Because the people want it. Yeah. And you're never going to be able to... The, the war on drugs, you're never going to be able to actually... The governments will never win. Because the demand for the people, the people demand it way too much. Look at the look at California. It's a one trillion dollar marijuana industry now. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge, man. And the thing is, it's not 
the government's never going to win because the people want the product. Mm. Just legalize it, control it, and get rid of the underworld. Because mm. I got taken out of the game, but then there was a hundred me's that just sprouted after me. Mm. And that's the issue. It's like, as in, I'm just now... The problem's not gone. The problem's not gone. And society... Did I just knock that microphone? No. Yeah, and society, I, they just don't... Unless we change the behaviour in society of changing our take on drug use. Yeah. You know, it's never going to go away. Yeah. And to, um, in my experience, I know if, if it was legalised, it would be safe for someone as well because it would be controlled. And also, controlled. and I also feel like the, the amount of like deaths that happen and of dickheadness behaviour happens from alcohol is way higher than any psychedelic drug, for example. Psychedelic, yeah. Classic psychedelics are, are non, not addictive. Alcohol, coffee, tobacco, that's all addictive. It's all crazy. And look how much the government is making money off that. Mm. Like, just do it. You know, mm. like, as in, use the money from drug um, profits to actually make the society a better society. Mm. Make better roads. Create better schools. Mm. Look at the, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's what, so it's starting to form a bit of a picture of like, you kind of would pioneered in an area of that probably down the track, it probably will be legalized to, you know, I imagine, I know MDMA here in LA is probably going to be legalized in about a year and a half. They say with, yeah. it's in, with the FDA, it's in phase three trials. I think it's with MAPS or one of the organizations um, with, with psychotherapy and, and the, there's there's a lot of things going on where it's and marijuana as well like that's already happened here and mm. so those kind of things that the boundaries that are getting pushed are going to continually get pushed and and you're a pioneer in that space because there was demand like you say but as soon as it becomes overground instead of underground mm. which it inevitably will th- well look at Portugal they legalized it Drug use actually decreased. Right, that's right. And they actually got rid of their whole underworld. Mm. Their underworld had to actually go find other avenues to make money. Mm. They chopped off the biggest revenue stream to the underworld. And that's the thing. It's like, as in, I don't see myself as a criminal. The people I hung out with, yeah, on paper they were really, really bad. But they didn't see themselves as criminals. They just saw themselves as businessmen. Mm. who saw an opportunity that they could make a lot of money. Mm. And this is the problem. It's such an interesting area. It's an interesting area. I just don't, I don't feel like I nearly understand it enough. <laughs> no, it's like this, it's a weird, weird world. It's a cult that's underground. Yeah. It's an underground cult. Right. And like all cults, we all have, we all are drawn to it for different reasons, right? Mm. We all want something else. We always, we, we always want something different from it. You know, maybe the guy that I used to work with wanted power out of it, but I was purely driven by money. Mm. And money to, you know, I'm not saying that I was Robin Hood, but money to help my family. Mm. Money to give me a better boost up and leg up in life. Mm. And yes, what I was doing was highly illegal, but I didn't see it like that until later down the track. And why do you think you did, chose not to see it like that? Because you saw the step up it was giving you is worth more. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, I think maybe that. And also 
being in that group normalized everything that I was doing. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting because I, I mean, I grew up in a different environment mm. where I suppose more middle class family, and so I never really had the yearning to make a lot of money like that. Um, but imagine if I if I had less, or my family had less money, I probably would have had more of a yearning to change things. Mm. So I can understand there's so many variables going on. But even it scares the shit out. I'm scared the shitless by doing anything illegal purely because I don't want my freedom taken from me. I'm, you know, I'm really, um, I want, I want to have freedom mm. um, in terms of not being incarcerated. That scares me. So that's that's that whole situation's enough for me to um, not go there. Yeah. Um, what scares you about it? Just not having freedom, not being able to walk down to the beach and look at the sun sunset or sunrise or walk in nature just being limited my physical anatomy being limited to a cell and my day being being controlled by someone else's you know being being in jail it scares me yeah and so that's enough reason for me to not you know but that could be the whole because you're seeing the um you're seeing the risk that's attached to it yes yeah yeah Yep. But what if you could actually... <laughs> You're trying to make me a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just in a guy in a monkey suit. Like as in, this, don't listen to anything I say. But like as in... You know, like as in no, it's good to understand the cycle. Yeah, like so. The thing is like as in... Yeah, look, I'm not trying to convince you to do anything, but I think what was really great about it was the fact that like it was a... It was fighting the system. Mm. The system, I don't know, maybe that's what kept me in that game for so long. Mm. Really kind of like as in... Yeah, because the system is absurd in a lot of ways. It's just set, set out, the, the culture we grew up in, the society we grew up in is, is set out to control us. Well, look and, in pa- like not to get into politics, but look at the fuck's in power right now. It's fucked up. Yeah. The world's corrupt. Yeah. And this is the thing. The problem that I had was I flew clo- too close to the sun. Mm. And then it, it fucking it, it, it backfired on me. So, so do you see that situation as a, a blessing, or do you see it as if you you wish you had not done it so you could continue it in the world? Or how, how do you? If feel I about had it? the knowledge I have now, I wouldn't have done it. Mm. Um, it really, really has made my life. It's given me a lot of um. It's created a lot of heartache in my family. Mm. It's created a lot of heartache in my group of friends. And um, I realized what, how lucky I am today. Mm. But the path that I went down was quite. I went to hell and back, and um, mm. I wouldn't have done it. But if I'm not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. Mm. What was that moment like when you got arrested? What did that feel like? That was. That was hor- That was the most horrible yet relieving experience. Getting beaten up at the police, getting raided, getting realizing, holy shit, I'm gonna get killed not just by the police, but potentially the criminal organization I was hanging out with. Mm. That was horrible. Mm. Being in that jail cell, mm. realizing, holy shit, what have I? That's when everything just sped up. I was like, that was the biggest wake up call ever. Mm. That scared me shitless. And maybe that's the same feeling I can, that we, you were speaking about before, not having that freedom. That's when I realized 
I was just a pawn in this game. Mm. That I was part of this something that was a lot bigger than I was. And if I didn't play my cards right, I would be dead. Mm. Because I knew so much information about some people. Mm. Fuck, that would have been frightening. It was frightening. It was crazy. But it was also pretty cool. Right. At the same time, because I was like, holy shit. I got given a second chance. Yeah. Because the flip side is that I go to jail. And so you just got, you, 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 and you got through that. What in, what part of yourself inside your head or your heart that kind of navigated that? Because that would have been like, it would have cost, it would have requested a deep response from you. Yeah. I think we touched base on it in the sense where like, it's about taking responsibility. Mm. Um, if I wasn't wise, um, if I wasn't, if, if I was a bratty kid from a wealthy family, yeah, I probably wouldn't take responsibility of what I did, but I realized that I, I fucked up. And when you fuck up, you got to take responsibility. Mm. You got to own it. Mm. And by me owning it actually saved me. That's interesting. So you owning it, it saved you. Yeah. Like as in, imagine I did dob on, Imagine I ratted everyone out. Yeah. You and I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. I'll probably be dead. My family would probably be interrogated by this criminal organization. And Mm. they were just doing it to protect what they needed to protect, Mm. which is the secrecy and their criminal activities. How much pressure did the police... They put a lot of pressure on. They went after me. So after the team. So they were, they were in, what, was, what was that pressure look like? Was it physical abuse or was it just um, Well, yeah, just the first verbal? few days they just beat you up just to kind of... Did they really? Yeah, that's, that's their strategy. They beat you up with a telephone book. They hose you down just to mentally break you down. Yeah. And that's when... Um, you start questioning, hold on a minute, maybe I should just fucking dob him because then all the abuse would stop. But then you, you just, and then your lawyers were pushing you to say it as well? Well, the lawyers are pushing because it's an easy, it's an easy, just write them out, that's easy, it's done. Because yeah. they don't care, they don't go home with you. Yeah, yeah. They don't give a fuck about you, even though you're paying them a fucking shit ton of money. Um, so... There was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure from everyone because they don't understand that world. Mm. And that world is about, if you, being a rat is the lowest that you could be. How, how did you convince the police that you weren't going to rat? What, what um, was the turning point where they're like, all right, he's not going to rat? The turning point was the fact that I was, guys, you can beat me up. You can hold me in here as long as possible, but I'm not talking. I'm not going to... I took full responsibility of everything that I've done. So it was a lot of like, you know, they were using mind games. They were saying, everyone's running you out and blah, blah. You're going to be facing 10 years in jail and all that crap. And yeah, there was... A, it just had, I just had to be so laser focused on that, uh, that decision because it's the other, the other side of it is the fact that Everything, they can't guarantee you shit, you know. They were trying to guarantee me everything. So it was safety and stuff. Safety, changing my name, 
doing all this other crap. Mm, mm. And it's just like witness protection shit. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's because they're going to fucking find me. Mm. And then they may slice my fucking face off. Mm. So you, did you have to tell the police that kind of situation? Like, hey guys, this yeah, is- of course. And yeah. then I was like, guys, this is what's going to happen. I fucking give names right now. I wear a wire. I get my fucking throat slit. My girlfriend at the time gets her, gets beaten up on the way to work. My family gets interrogated yeah. by this whole organization. Did they see the sense in that somewhat? No, they were like, dude, we're going to put you in witness protection. We're going to take you into the middle of the country. No one's even going to know. And I go, dude, yeah, yeah. that's not an option for me. Yeah. An option for me is to actually face the music, take responsibility of what I've done. For this. For this. Yeah, this individual self. This individual self. And it's for, to kind of like, as in, stand up there in front of the judge knowing that I didn't actually do, take responsibility for all the bad things I've done and be judged. It's like... It's great intuition on your part. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, and it says a lot about your character to have the integrity to do that. Well, even though I am shackled by the limitations of society right now, I still have my freedom. Mm. I still can walk to the beach, as you are saying. Mm. I still can go down to the shops without being harassed. And it's, you know, it, it came full circle a couple of years ago when I bumped into some friends of the mine in that organization still, and they're still doing the same thing. Mm. And I found out some people were dead, some people were in jail. It's like, this was the best thing that actually ever happened to me. This mm. is, it was like God saved me. Hmm. And I realized that I got given this second chance, which no one usually, not many people get. No. Not many people get it. And like, imagine. Not many people even get the psychology, the inner reality of what it would have taken to be in that world, let alone to be liberated from it. That's correct. And that's why I feel like as in, there's not just me. It's, there's a lot of other criminals out there that actually have been down this path, but they're not strong enough and they just go back into that path. Mm. because they just can't get work. They can't, they don't get accepted by society. I feel like as in criminals do get, they need a second chance. Mm. Particularly if you've taken responsibility like you have. I think that's when, if you've taken ownership and account for what you've done, I think that's, and, you, and you've shown good progress. That's the whole point of the whole system is to redeem your behavior. That's correct. Yeah. Redemption and like as in rehabilitation. But what the current legal system and jail system does is that it doesn't create that. It actually creates more criminals. Mm. And I just want to eat bananas, bro. <laughs> is that too much to ask? It's not, man. Just I just want to fucking eat bananas with my fucking lady banana queen <laughs> and my little chimpanzees. And what's what's your current mental challenge in in this whole space? So you saying the shame, like there's 10 years a lot old. of shame. Yeah. So if I didn't forgive myself, if I if I've forgiven myself and I didn't actually really want to be judged, I wouldn't be in a fucking monkey suit boiling my ass off in LA right now. You know, but there's a lot of shame still. There's a lot of guilt because of people that are gonna yeah judge me and just cast me into this I don't need that right now I'm already I'm already get reminders every day that I'm a criminal by society and I just don't want to be branded as the guy that is a criminal 
in the mainstream in just every day. I, will, I want to be able to walk to the coffee shop with people not knowing what I've done. Mm. And I kind of wish that that wasn't the case. I wish I had the balls and the guts to actually take off this monkey hat and, yeah, just own it. Mm. But society... Is it is it is it is it society condemning you? That's the biggest fear, or is it getting um, people from the, your your previous life finding out you're open about it and being scared that you'll say something? Or well, I think it's both. I think the pressure originally was the pressure from the other world, mm. the underworld, but now it's the pressure of society not forgiving and forgetting. Mm. And I'm always going to be the guy that. No matter what, I could literally create a cure for cancer tomorrow, but I'll still be known as that guy with the criminal record. So, so, and, and there's a certain amount of that that society puts in you by the system that we've been brought up in, and there's a certain amount that you repeat in your own head on loop that it is, I am a criminal, I am a criminal. And clearly, like... I, know, I don't feel like you're a criminal because you're not behaving like a criminal. And that's what kind of, you just take you on face value. So, and you can, you can also see, you can see the d- deeper aspect of who you are. And it's, it's been such a long time as well. But that's because you've got good intuition after three days, you figure that out, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, but so what's going on in your head that you think you can, you can take responsibility for in terms of letting go of this somewhat of a repetitive record saying that I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal. Like you, you almost have to go back to that mentality of fuck the system. I'm not a criminal. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I think like as in that is a, it's purely you're right. Like I think I've just got to literally own that fact and then be okay with the fact that there's going to be people that's going to part like the Red Sea. Mm. There's going to be groups of my friends or my family that will still accept me. Mm. And then there's groups of people that would just see me for face value of what, I, what I've done in the past mm. and be okay with that crew because like, what's the point of trying to convince that crew that side of society that I'm a normal guy mm. um, and I think that's a lot of maybe I need a bit more time yeah. to do that maybe I'm not there yet emotionally maybe not there spiritually it's interesting isn't it because it's a whole different ballpark but i'm just trying to think what i could relate it to and it's probably depression or growing up in what i would call a sect Mm. and and the the feeling of of embarrassment maybe or or um that i was tricked um or or Mm. maybe with depression it's this thing i was depressed i was mentally ill clinically ill and my brain was in trouble but but I'm not depressed now, so therefore, like it's something that I overcame, like it's something you overcame, moved through, and, mm, and that's and, a good point. And it's 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 a different thing completely because it comes with a whole different kettle of option of fish or whatever you call it. Good challenges, challenges, and and realities. You know, I don't have the reality of 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 an underworld that could be, or or maybe less of a judgment as well because people. Might see that as different. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's just like as in, I feel like as in you've done your work. You know, you've, you you came to a place where you were ready to do it. Yeah, and it's a completely different challenge as well. It's a completely different challenge. I, 
I think. Sure. But I, th- I think, yeah, different, challenge, different problems but same issues, right? Yeah, I think so. I think there's commonality in this issue. Yeah. Like as in... It's in the mental issue. To break issue. away from the cult for you growing up, that would have been such a huge... You would have, you had to rewire who you were. Yeah. And your whole value system, your belief system, because everyone that you grew up with was doing what you thought was normal. Mm. And that's exactly what I, when I was in that criminal underworld. Everyone, everything was normal. When I heard about beatings or when I heard about people getting robbed and yeah. when I heard about the tons and tons of money, it just became normal. Mm. That's when I got out of it. Then I realized, holy shit, actually, yeah. you know, carrying a fucking kilogram of cocaine through a busy street is not normal. Yeah. Finding out that people got their, you know, got robbed in the middle of the night and beaten the shit out of was not normal. And for you, it was, it's the same thing. It's the mm. same... I had to break out of that psyche and I had to break out of that. It's like a social suicide or like oh, a yes. psychological suicide because you, yeah. you're, physically you're jumping out of, out of a bubble and you're jumping into this stratosphere. Or- yeah. And I think I just hit the nail on the head in the sense we're like, why is it, like, as in, why is it illegal when everyone mm. wants it? Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, I'm just creating <laughs> a service, right? Yes. I'm just there. Yeah. I'm just giving you what you need. But then that same person who wants those drugs, and if I get caught, they're the ones who shun me. Well, I guarantee all the judges they do cocaine or all. It's like it's such a glamorous drug. Yeah, it's it's absurd, isn't it? It's it's really absurd. The more we kind of try to understand the the structure of what's going on, it, it's it's absurd hmm. that you, you that you have to carry this weight. Clearly, you've done something wrong. Clearly, the person that sniffs cocaine's done something wrong by a standard of someone. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, it's just what it, what society agrees is a standard. And for example, psychedelics, I don't think they should be illegal. They clearly they help people in like plant medicine in ancient mm. traditions. Clearly, helps people in their in in, in experience in wisdom experience in insight experience in more of what they are and it's always loving it's more always more expanding and and so my my personal opinion is that it's it's absurd that they make that leap why why do you so why do you think the governments are trying to control us so much then Um, control what we do with our bodies why we do this i don't know i think i personally think they're operating from a really limited scared state of consciousness so they're not really evolutionary orientated they're very conservative and there's benefit for that because because it stabilizes civilization Mm. somewhat and so the pioneers are the ones going out taking risks and um pushing the boundaries and the the envelope will eventually like even you know the the gay rights movement and everything that's something that's uh, it, it changes it's it's a necessary evolution and it's absurd that it didn't happen sooner yeah um it's crazy isn't it that a government can tell us who we can marry oh it's it's fucking like i'm gonna marry a pig if i want to marry a pig it's like it's 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 bonkers yeah. it's bonkers it is crazy isn't it it's like fuck like and that's the thing it's kind of more like to what degree do we subscribe to the social idea of what is what is what <laughs> you know well yeah you're right like how much can we engage with the government yeah but and i think and i think there's there's benefits for a lot of it we've got to completely acknowledge that because it's a clever system tax help streets but there's obviously corruption 
and there's, there's so much there's also also fuckery and a lot of this as well and like you say completely the president of this country is uh, is is blatantly corrupt he's it, so corrupt and yeah, anyway that's a whole kettle of fish right mm. um so I, I suppose what what steps do you think you can take towards this kind of liberating your own mind from the shackles of I'm not accepted or I'm, I'm not or whatever, whatever the th- notions are. I think are. for me, it would be like purely the simplest yet the hardest thing to do, which is self-acceptance. You know, I think if I accept to myself, if I accept to myself completely right now, I wouldn't be in a monkey suit. <laughs> but you're right. I haven't accepted, I haven't gone through that journey enough yet. So maybe we'll be doing this podcast in 10 years' time and I can be completely nude, but not nude, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Like emotionally nude. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think that's it. It's just the fact that Mm. I feel like over the last 10 years of going to get jobs or trying to travel. That reinforces this. It just brings it all up out of like, hold on a minute, you fucked up big time Mm. and I'm very lucky that I've got a very good support network that keeps reminding me that I'm I'm a human and I've made a mistake and that's okay Mm. but it does make it difficult to actually assimilate back into this society that doesn't accept you it feels like it's a very hard thing to integrate back into society with because they don't accept me Mm. even though if I did take off this monkey suit, I'm a clean-cut dude who you would probably see walking down the street as a regular Joe that would work in a corporate office somewhere. Mm. But in reality, behind those closed doors, I've done some fucked-up shit. And I'm paying the price for it now. Yeah. And n- and in my opinion, not that fucked-up compared to how fucked-up it could have been. Yeah, that's correct. Like, I think, I think... Essentially, I was just a sales director for a cocaine cartel, right? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. What 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 are your necessary next steps, or what's your immediate next step to, to having more self acceptance? My next immediate steps would be to you might not know them yet, but yeah, what what do they what? Because obviously, man, I want that for you, like to feel more liberated and more um more free to be yourself because that's the way I see that's what, as way your partner will probably see you as well as like this absolute acceptance mm. of who you are but you, you, you kind of carry somewhat of a weight of I'm, it's not okay or you know yeah. guilt well maybe when I do have like you know little chimpanzees um, <laughs> well that's the thing it's like isn't, do you tell your future kids you know yeah. Hypothetical. I'm going to ask you that question. If you were in my situation right now, yeah, I'd want to. I'd want to purely for the. I've got this instinct to liberate. Ever since I left that set, the the church that I was in, um, I've got this impulse to be open with everything purely for the sake of my well mental well being. I notice that as soon as I share or air what I'm going through, what what's me myself. I feel fucking way better. Well, this brings up another question. So I went to a dinner party one time and a question came up and it said like, if you've been a criminal in the past, once a criminal, always a criminal, question mark. 
I don't believe that. Of course not. But there was a few people at the table that were like, yep, 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 yep. It was probably 80% that said Whoa, yes. Really? And that's when I was like, oh, this is... It's so misunderstood. Yeah, it's misunderstood. And that, that's like, as in, without saying cliche, but criminals are humans too, you know? <laughs> well, totally. You know, like it's... A, it's well, that's the thing. It's that we've got to understand this the behavior. It's like, it's the same with the, the, the Me Too movement. We've got to understand these people that are, pro, you know, that are messing up. Yeah. And... and being terrible human beings, why they're being terrible human exactly. beings. Exactly. Why? That's the question that no one's ever asked me. Why did you do it? Mm. And in my case, that's why there's no empathy towards it because I actively went seeking these opportunities. Mm. Mm. My driver was money. If I could turn back time, I would never have done this. Mm. It's taught me the biggest lesson ever that money takes time, relationships take time, everything takes time. But for me, I just wanted that quick gain. Mm. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a re- re- reflection of the culture that we brought up in as well. You know, like if you, if you weren't in this kind of culture that had that as an option or it glamorized that, it yeah. probably wouldn't have happened either. That's true, actually. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an element of your conditioning growing up in the, in the world that we live in. Yeah, it's true, actually. You're right. It's all about instant gain right now. And I think, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, as in being a poor kid growing up in a very, very wealthy society, it was all about... I want that. I want that. I want... The, why can't I have those things? Why can't I do that? And, and, and really, at that age, with that mental state, you're like, you had the ingenuity to see how you could make that. Exactly. And you probably very unlikely would have seen the ramifications of what that would have meant. You, you knew it was probably not right or bad by society's terms, but you also you had a world where you're like, this could actually better my world and better my family yeah. if I had more money. You didn't really fu- fully foresee the downsides, particularly until you've really got out, right? Yeah, that's what correct. You said. That's correct. And I think like as in, if I, before this podcast, I was reading my what I got charged with yeah. on the way here. And yeah. I was like, to this day, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. And what I got charged with was, you know, commercial quantity, drug trafficking, money laundering. Um, and it's like, holy shit, that's crazy. I can't believe I did that. And, you know, that was, re- it's like this whole, I can't believe it. So it was like another world. It was another, another world. Year. And I feel like the person I am today, as I said, if you just saw me in a coffee shop, he's just a regular dude. Mm. But then I did some fucked up shit. And now I'm paying the price, but I'm still paying the price. Mm. And this is part of your recovery in a lot of ways as well, like a heroin addict or mm. their recovery. Or like Russell Brand talks a lot about this, is like everyone, you're kind of in recovery from from the psychological footprint you've put on yourself. Yeah. That's um, so true. Yeah. And man, it's, uh, I feel like I hope this kind of conversation gives some air into the space in your mind, like mm. it loosens up the, the, the molecules that are stuck to your brain to yeah. just gives them a bit of space yeah. to, to move and shift and open up and um, mm. soften because it's definitely my my intuition towards you is like you're not a criminal, mm. but, but that's because I'm accepting you on who you are right now. Yeah. So that eighty percent in that room that said that you were or someone is, 
if once a criminal always a criminal is is just ignorance as well because it's it's also it's also their their limited understanding about the nature of the mind yeah. you know that it's fucking plastic it changes yeah. your behavior one day is going to be yeah. different to the next day well that's that's so interesting that you say that because i feel like yeah the most simple the easiest and most simplistic view is to blame and also kind of brush it as too hard mm. do you know what i mean like yeah. as in, i feel like as in yeah the question we should be asking is like as in how do we actually rehabilitate criminals back into society without them reoffending? Yes. And without my support network or friends, I think I would have reoffended again because it's too hard for me to be in society right now. Well, you said that to me the other day um, yeah. when we met is that you you wouldn't you probably if it wasn't for the people that supported you in your you know, in the case yeah and and keeping because they testified for you they did and that meant that meant that like in the weeks that followed or in the years that followed, that you're like, i, I got to be good to my friends that testified for me. That's right? correct. They vouched for me. Why would I fucking do this? To, you know, why would I spit in their face after they've helped me get, me, get a second chance? Hmm. That's fucking awesome. That's a, that's a really beautiful tribe you've got. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Of and friends. I feel like I'm very fortunate about it. And I'm, but that's the thing. A lot of people don't have what I have. And then hmm. they go back into the system. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So, do you think the element that pulled you out of the system after you got done was the element of friendship and people vouching for you? For Empathy, your good yeah, love, and friendship. That's what got me through. Empathy, love, and friendship. Yeah, like if the, the empathy of my friends that actually saw me past what I've done. There was a few friends of mine that I hadn't seen in ages that came out of the woodworks to support me because they believed that I just made a mistake, which I did. And that's because they'd seen your good nature before that or they, they just know you I think as it's a good also person. they just had, you know, they saw that I made a mistake and they just had, they had empathy towards the fact that I just did what I'd had to do. Mm. They didn't judge me and I think that's what real friends do and we're real... Yeah, mates do. They just help each other out. They don't see... They see past those mistakes because we're all humans, right? Yeah. Well, not me right now. <laughs> so... As a monkey or because people think you're a criminal? As a criminal monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny sight I've got oh, used man. to. Well, man, is there anything else that you want to explore or... Like I've loved it. I've loved the opportunity, and I really appreciate that you'd open up about this. No, um, I think for me, if anyone like isn't for to take, if anyone's listening to take something away, was they kind of like maybe not, maybe kind of have a if we as a society just had a lot more empathy for other people rather than just blaming and categorizing people into what they've done in the past we would be a better society i feel like as in you know if there's a if we just kind of like just took the time and space to actually not judge and that would be a completely we would be living in a completely different world mm. what, what do you think the biggest reason is why people are lazy with with judging because it's easy to blame. It feels good to blame. 
don't you think? Like, as in, if someone, if there's a terrorist attack, what's the first thing they do? Even if they're not attacked to any terrorist groups, they just go, that stupid Muslim dude. But it's like, why are you doing that? It's like, as in, he could be mentally ill. He could be, a, there's a whole heap of things that mm. are attached to that. I'm not saying that we should, like, as in, I think it's just, it's easy to blame people for their miscomings, their, the colour of their skin or yeah. their... Um, Blaming doesn't resolve fuck doesn't all. Resolve. Like, if we want to really resolve and better our society, like you say, we have to really seek to understand. Yes, that's correct, Jets. Mm-hmm. Seek to understand, and it actually takes time to be em- empathetic because we actually have to take time to listen to their story. We actually have to take time to understand why they did it. It's easy to just blame, shift them, put them in a cell, forget about them. Mm-hmm. But it's actually costing our society so much money. There's a study that came out that it costs a, a, a US inmate $100,000 per year to keep that person in jail. Fucking hell. In jail. Every year, $100,000 costs the government. Now, if we could prevent that person going back into jail, it actually wouldn't we have more money as a society? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, right? So... I understand there's some crimes out there that are unforgivable, but... Or take a longer period of recovery from. That's correct. And I feel like as in... I mean, I don't know the full psychology of it, but I'm sure... Like, I, I imagine it's a varying degree of, like, how intense how intense your offence is. Yeah, of course. Takes, it takes a similar intensity of recovery. Yeah, of course. Look at Scandinavia. Scandinavia has the lowest number of inmates worldwide. Because they actually ask these questions. They ask, they want to get to the root of why that person did it. Great. They want to get to the root of how they can help that person. And they want to get to the root of how that person can integrate back into society. It's like this really bizarre and awesome way of looking at this problem. It's just more of an intelligent ecosystem. Yeah, they, they have a belief that if they help this person, less crime is going to be, occur. Yeah. Which is true, right? Because it is the long, it's the non-easy option to do that. It's the non-lazy option. Totally. And once they've got a f- somewhat of a blueprint, that means that if there's another offender, they can sort them out too. That's correct. But our society, we live in this sh- society where you hit the nail on the head before, it's easy to just shift blame, put them in a category, put them in jail, forget about it, and it will fix itself. But that's the lazy way out. Mm. It's fucking lazy, man. It's really lazy. I suppose it, when you're thinking about it, it's probably the people that run, the administrators of this system, the government and whatnot. They've just they've got a lot on, and I suppose they're yeah, maybe. they're dealing with. But I mean, that's not really to excuse it because they they just need more people to figure out the different areas better. Yeah. Just trying to understand them as well, yeah. and that's a whole other complicated thing. But I think the point is is that seeking to understand one another is way more fruitful for everyone... For everyone. ...than blaming and pushing away. Yeah. It's the easy option. Mm. It's so much easier to blame than actually kind of resolve, right? And I also think that it's that's what we do in our own psyche as well. If, if, the people that seek to understand me are the people that understand themselves. Yeah. The people that blame me or or don't seek to understand me 
don't understand themselves either. That's true. That, yeah, wow, that was so articulate. I could, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think I think that's yeah. the problem. It's yeah. like if, if, if you're getting judged by someone or getting blamed by someone, it's an absolute testament to their own state of capability, state or capability yeah, you're right. of their own mental world. Yeah. Right? Totally. So if you see it like that, it's not such a problem. You go, all right, well, clearly they don't understand themselves that well either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? And that, that's somewhat of a liberation, right? Yeah, that's true, actually. Mm. Well, I've loved this. Thank you very much for your time and presence. And, Thank you, Jez. And I really appreciate you offering all that insight and story. And I hope people listening can really attempt to explore what they're judging in their worlds mm. and, and how they're looking at people that do quote-unquote wrongs by mm. a particular standard that they've been taught or that they intuitively feel. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for providing me the platform to actually be able to talk about this in a very, very long time mm. and having empathy towards who I am and not taking me on face value. Hmm. Not taking you on face value. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean on the value of ex criminal activity? Well, I think maybe like as in not judging me on what I told you three days ago. Yeah. You could have like not done this. You only met me three days ago. You saw that there was a different person underneath all this stuff and you gave me this whole platform to kind of like talk about it. Um, when I did tell you, I, for some reason, I felt comfortable to tell you straight away when I usually don't tell too many people about it. I'm actually an undercover police officer. <laughs> You're here to take my monkey suit and my monkey money. <laughs> my monkey money. Well, man, I've got absolute empathy and understanding as much as I feel like I can at this point in time in my own growth <laughs> um, toward you. And I, I can sense the realness of of who you are and your ownership and, and taking, I've got absolute admiration that you took responsibility for your action. And that, that's the, the most manly thing you could do is fessing up and going, no, nah, I'm going to take accountability for this. I'm not going to blame anyone. I'm not going to rat anyone. I'm just going to fucking own it. And that dude, that, that's, that says so much about your capability compared to a lot of people's capability that are living very, very safe, conservative lives. Like, I think you, in my opinion, you've, you've got greater strength and resilience because of what you've been through. And I respect that massively. And I, and I do have empathy for, your, for who you are and what you've been through. And, um, and we are just a product of our environment, largely. And, and you, you saw opportunity and now you've owned the mistake of that. And yeah, I think... Oh, I appreciate that, Jez. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, I think yeah. I think opening this up and having the conversation helps helps me understand what's going yeah. on as well. Yeah, and like as in a lot of the stories I had in here, I just had to also kind of be very vague about it. I was also quite scared of actually doing this, to be honest, and that's why Jez had to go get a monkey suit. But um, I feel very maybe I felt yeah. I could totally understand why that was. I, I couldn't go into details of. I just didn't know what the consequences are going to be. So, yeah, I just want to say thanks, Jez. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for dressing up as a monkey for an hour or two. It's really hot. Let's <laughs> go get some air. It's ridiculously hot in LA. All right, man. Big love. Peace.